This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, December 13th, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown, convincing the public of the simple fact all voluntary trade is fair trade remains a challenge. Myths abound with the help of people who gain by reducing your freedom to exchange with anyone you want. Sally James, trade policy analyst at the Cato Institute, exploded more than a few myths about trade when she spoke at the Cato Institute City Seminar in New York at the end of October. The media, by and large, does not do a good job of reporting on trade, another factor uh, in attitudes towards trade policy, I think. My colleague Dan Eikenson keeps a constant vigil on Cato's blog about misleading, simplistic or or just flat-out wrong uh, media analysis on trade. And there is a steady drumbeat of talk about the destruction of American manufacturing and how China is responsible. And it's reported at an, as a matter of fact. It's almost kind of parenthetically slipped into, into the analysis. Uh, that, that's, we know that's false. American manufacturing is thriving according to every measure except for employment. And the job losses are largely driven from productivity uh, improvements and automation. And, and yet the beat goes on. Dan uh, makes an excellent point that this sort of thing is worth being vigilant about because, and and I quote, a nation that has strong misgivings about trade is less likely to stop a conspiracy of politicians and special interests from taking away their right to do so. That is why we must confront these false statements about trade head on. What the media says matters, apparently. It's worth here just pausing a little while to reflect on the real message politicians are sending when they rail against international trade. They're essentially saying, and and this goes to something Ed was saying earlier, that they have the ability and the pure intentions, of course, to discern what is best for each person when it comes to international transactions. That is just one more example, in my view, of presumptuous politicians making decisions that we would rather make ourselves and that properly belong in the private sphere. We import because domestic products don't appeal to us. Far from being unfair, all voluntary trade is fair by definition, otherwise the trade wouldn't take place. Trade becomes unfair, in my view, only when the government tells us we can't trade our dollars for goods goods or services made by someone abroad willing to sell them. In making uh, anti-trade sentiments, and this goes back to my point about them being consumer-driven, they seem to be appealing in a depressingly cynical manner, in my view, to some of our baser instincts. There was an excellent op-ed in the Wall Street Journal earlier this month by uh, academic economist Paul Rubin, and he pointed out that F.A. Hayek, in a prescient example of behavioural economics, was among the first to recognise that the way humans evolved might account for certain economic and political beliefs. Rubin said there are two aspects of our evolved psychology that might account for beliefs about trade, and while politicians still feel like they can gain political points by railing against it. First, humans tend towards zero-sum thinking, the belief that one person's or one country's growth comes at the expense of another. It is not intuitive to us, in other words, that trade is a way of expanding the pie. We know that to be true, but it it doesn't come intuitively to us, and that's why slogans such as stealing our jobs have have resonance. The second evolved psychological trait is uh, that, well, humans evolved in a hostile and uh, conflict-ridden world, and we tend, therefore, to have strong in-group, out-group instincts, and that's where American jobs for American workers comes in. Most sane people 
uh, reasonable people would, would reject the notion that we should restrict trade uh, to trade into certain towns or even states. If you said we should produce everything we need to in Maine and not trade with New Hampshire, that, that, that wouldn't make sense to people. But somehow trading with another nation is seen as different. Uh, it's really, in my view, just a, a form of, of nationalism. Together, these two instincts can go some way to explaining the incredible persistence of myths about trade. If we believe that the number of jobs or the size of the economic pie more broadly is fixed, and if we believe that the foreigner is in some senses an enemy, then an instinctive scepticism towards international trade is understandable. But it is our job to show people that instincts honed on the savannah are not necessarily appropriate or useful for the modern world. Against that rather depressing backdrop, let me turn to some good news. Firstly, despite the politicians' efforts, it doesn't appear that anti-trade messages are all that compelling. A recent Gallup poll didn't even mention trade as a standalone electoral issue. In other words, while people might be sceptical about trade when asked about it, they didn't name it as one of their key, key concerns. Um, there's a few other things in our favour. Politically, it doesn't seem to be that anti-trade uh, campaign ads are making many hits. Um, and just on the, on the basis of evidence, US trade barriers are at historic lows and around the world they are generally falling as well. International trade is rebounding. It's estimated to grow more than 13% this year, the fastest on record. There was no trade war during the Great Recession. I think international trade agreements have something to do with that. If, it's, if, if uh, the consequences for breaking a, a treaty are that there's some kind of retaliation, you're less likely to break the rules in the first place. And global integration now, because of past uh, trade liberalisation and investment measures, companies are so much more invested in the world economy. It doesn't make economic sense to be isolating anymore. 75% of the world's buying power is outside the United States. Over half of, about half of the sales of many of the S&P 500 companies are to markets abroad. You don't want to annoy the customers. That includes China, by the way, our number three trade partner and the fastest growing export market. We still have work to do but I think it's necessary work. This nation was founded on values that are noble and are worthy of our defence and the right to enter into a transaction that is voluntary on both sides, to exchange something in a situation of mutual advantage is surely one of life's fundamental liberties. Voluntary trade was one of the earliest actions by man that set him apart from other animals and it's surely responsible for much of the economic advance since then interfering in trade, that it harms no one, except in the most disingenuous special interest sense, is surely an affront to human dignity and definitely an impediment to economic prosperity. Some of you may be familiar with the excellent monograph by Leyland Yeager called Free Trade, America's Opportunity. Dr Yeager ends his essay with a wonderful quote from Gottfried von Habeler, and I would like to end my remarks here today by repeating that quote. There is only one way out. It is to take the bull by the horns, to fight the spirit of protection, to spread far and wide correct ideas about international trade, and to confront the organised forces of sectional interests which support protection with a powerful organisation drawn from those who suffer from it, that is, from the vast majority of the people of the world. Sally James is a trade policy analyst at the Cato Institute. You can read more of her work at cato.org.